0: welcome to Courageously Casey. I am your host, Casey Russell, and I'm so glad you're here. This podcast is to share my story for his glory, and my prayer is that God will utilize me to speak to your heart and mind so that you too are able to confidently and courageously go after your God-sized dreams. Let's get right to it.
1: Hey, you guys. So before this episode gets started, I do want to go ahead and just give you a fair warning. This episode can be a hot topic. It can also be a sore subject. And I would just ask that you would not have any young children um, around when this episode is played. I would also just fair warn you that if you are somebody that is suffering with mental illness, suicidal thoughts, this could be a trigger for you. However, I do also believe that this could be a major encouragement for you. Welcome back to the podcast, you guys. Um, Today, we're going to talk about a subject that I feel like both is talked about and is not talked about. And what I mean by that is it's oftentimes talked about it when it's too late and it's not talked about Because there's still this stigma of it being weird. And so I want to talk about this from my point of view, um, being somebody that has walked through this water and also, you know, give some biblical encouragement on it. So today's podcast is going to be all about mental health. And I think when people hear those two words together, mental health, I think first people hear the word mental (laughs) And it used to be something that was joked about, was honestly condescending, you know, like, oh, she's mental, meaning out of her mind, crazy, psychotic, you know what I mean? And it always came with this kind of mental picture of this person being just like a monster, honestly. And then we hear the word health, and I'm not going to deep dive into that today, you guys, because, whoa, that's a big one to unpack. But when you hear mental health, I do think as a society we are becoming um, better about talking about this, but we still have so many stigmas to overcome. And so I'm going to start this with just a few statistics um these are pretty alarming statistics and i will tell you that a lot of these are not up to date it's the best ones i could find but um approximately one in four people one in four people you guys so just look at the circle around you look at the people in your phone and one in four of those will develop a mental illness at some point in their lives based on statistics okay um, an estimated 51.5 million adults over the age of 18 have been diagnosed with some kind of illness, mental illness. Now, also, little caveat here, this number of the 51.5 million, 20.6%, so almost 21% of those reside in the United States. And I know that most of my listeners are in the United States. So just, guys, that's that's really alarming, right? Uh, Mental illness is higher among women than men. And um, there's a lot of different, this goes way, way deeper into um, kind of like social status, race, um, financial stature, um, all kinds of things, obviously, you know, can take part in this. But just to think about that, that, you know, one in four people, one in four people. I think about how many people I interact with every day. And you guys, I probably interact with anywhere from, I don't know, 10 to 50 people a day. The days that it's 50 people are sometimes a lot. Um, And some days it's more than that, honestly. Some days it's well over 100. But I just think about that. If you just had 10, gosh, y'all, that means two people in that group are going to be suffering with mental illness, right? So just think about that. Um, Think about, is that the right amount? Two out of 10? I don't know. I'm not a math major here, people. Um, Anyways, just think about that. So I guess it would kind of be like two and a half. Anyways, um, just think about who's around you, who is struggling. I also know that people for years, they didn't want to label it as any they didn't want to label it as any name. They didn't want to call it anxiety. They didn't want to call it depression. They didn't want to call it OCD. They did. They didn't want to call it what it actually was, right? And so, um, for whatever reason, I don't really understand that. I just don't understand that. I've I've witnessed anxious people my whole life. I, I just have, but I didn't know that that's what it was because when I was growing up, nobody called it that. And so I'm gonna kind of just share a little bit about my story with with mental illness and being diagnosed with some things and um, my journey through being prescribed things and, and how now I kind of have overcome, you know, and, and deal with a day to day basis. So um, one thing that I do want to definitely, definitely make super clear that mental illness is an illness. Um, so many times people don't think that it's an illness because um, you can't see it. It's it's not a lesion on your body. It's not a tumor that's coming out of your body. It's not a skin disease. It's not an organ failing. It, I mean, it's something unseen. It's, I mean, it's your brain. But it absolutely is real. The, these are things that, you know, we do have people that suffer with chemical imbalances in their brain for all kinds of other reasons. Now, I'm not saying that they are born this way. Like I said a minute ago in those statistics, there's all different um, rhymes and reasons of what causes some of these things. Um, It can be exposure. It can be um, traumatic experiences. It can be all kinds of things. But just know that this is a real thing. And when we discount that it's not a real thing, it just makes it worse. (laughs) It just makes it worse. So, I would say that probably in high school, I um, had my first knowingly, like I was aware that I was going through depression. Um, as as you may know, and as you may not know, I mean, I haven't really given my whole health testimony on here yet. And I don't know if I will. You guys let me know if y'all want to hear that. But anyways, um, my health is something that has been a struggle literally, literally from birth. Um, I would say that I didn't really realize how how different I was growing up until now that I've become an adult and have reflected back because they used to think, say things like, you know, when I was 15, this happened or I was 16, this happened. And then, you know, my older cousins and my mom and parents, they would say, well, honey, you know, health actually was started like when you were an infant. And so health is something that um, I've had to overcome literally since birth of all different, all different things. But in high school, um, it was kind of the pinnacle, I would say. Um, it was when I was a freshman in high school wearing a back brace. It was this big blue back brace. And if you went to high school with me, you can remember this. Our freshman year of high school, I wore this big blue back brace that was Velcro, you guys. It had Velcro black strips on it. It was the worst thing ever. Can you just imagine me in a freshman high school with this humongous back brace? Like it went up to the base of my skull down to the top of my tailbone and then all around my stomach, just to give you a mental picture. And then, so I had, I had some back problems. Um, then I had to have a pacemaker, but then seven days after my pacemaker, I had all four wisdom teeth extracted because one of my wisdom teeth was, um, infected. And so they obviously had to get that out of there. And it was in that time of just I think just being knocked down, you know, like life just punching you in the gut. I, I was an athlete and I couldn't play sports anymore. Um, There, there were so many things happening in my life. Now, obviously I was a teenage girl, so this is teenage love and boys and cattiness from girls and comparison of bodies and, and physical, you know, I don't know. It's just all the things, right? And so, um, but I vividly remember after pacemaker surgery and then m- more specifically after having to have my wisdom teeth taken out um, and just having two surgeries back to back, one extremely major. I mean, you guys, this is kind of gross, but like I couldn't wash my, arm, my underarm for weeks, for weeks. I mean, that's awful, right? Um, and I went through the phase, I remember that I would just lay in my mom and dad's bed. Like I, I just want to lay there. It was so bad that the only thing that I wanted to eat, I do remember this too. I wanted canned Campbell's oyster soup. Now you guys, if all you're wanting is Campbell's oyster soup, like red flag for depression. (laughs) And I'm so sorry if that's what you like, but whoa, And I remember my mom called, um, one of my really good friends, his dad, like collected old cars or had this old car anyways. And she said, Hey, could you please just come bring that car? It had like, you know, no top or whatever and get Casey out of the house. Cause I would just refuse. Like I just wanted all of the, um, blinds closed. I mean, I was in a depressive state. So I would say that that's probably my earliest memory of recollecting depression. We didn't call it that. We just called it like being a funk, you know, or whatever you just call. And um as I went on, then um I would say anxiety definitely set in. Um I graduated high school in three years for a lot of different reasons. I'll unpack those maybe on a different podcast, but graduated high school in three years, moved to College Station, Texas, um to eventually go to AM when I was 17 and um I remember being in college and feeling like my heart was racing, which I, I had a pacemaker put in at 16. So like your heart should not race when you have a pacemaker. Um, going through these depression bouts where I would want to stay in my room. Um, I started having really, really detrimental mental thoughts back then. And one of the worst things that I could have ever done was medicate with alcohol and i felt like a lot of people do that because you know you had a stressful day something happened at your job something happened with your spouse and that was your friend so then you got a bad grade if you're in school i mean anything you're just like oh let's just go have a beer i mean, let's just go to the bar you know let's just drown it out right and i was i was the best at doing that or so i thought but honestly alcohol is a downer right and so it just makes everything worse and i i knew that i knew that it made it worse but i didn't quit i also um had migraines and stuff like that i really do think that it was from a lack of health and taking care of myself um i was pres- prescribed migraine medicine i don't know about you guys but when i was in college like you could go anywhere any walk in clinic college station texas and literally walk in and say i have xyz ailment and they would just prescribe you literally whatever you wanted. Um, so I got migraine medicine. I did not take it very often because I felt like a zombie. I felt like it just kind of made me numb. And so I didn't like it. So I didn't, that was a no go for me. Um, and so I got out of college. I went through a lot of traumatic experiences in college, which I knew also made me deep, you know, dive into anxiety and depressive, um, thoughts. I also know that kind of Having like um, like OCD type tendencies because I, when things would spin out of control, I wanted to control things. And so that kind of would have some of those tendencies. So life went on. Had Lincoln at 24. Um, I did suffer with postpartum depression. However, I didn't want to call it that because through all of this time, I never called it what it was. I never called it what it was. It was kind of just like, Either you're just being too dramatic or it's just a bad day or, you know, all the things that I think society can tell us when we're really suffering, but we don't want to call it. We don't want to label ourselves. We don't want to call it what it is. We just want to skirt around it and then really bury it. Like emotions and feelings can oftentimes be passed over because for generations and generations and generations. As a society, a lot of people were taught, like, don't talk about your feelings, you know, be tough, toughen up, whatever. And there's a time and place for all of that. So I didn't call it what it was. And so after having Lincoln, um, I was, my mental health was really, really poor. I remember vividly that I hated myself so much that I wanted to remove all the mirrors in my house. I like, I didn't want to physically look at myself here. I had this absolutely beautiful gift from God and loved her so, so, so much but would look at her and think she needs so much better than me like i she doesn't need me and so i would say that um i I, you know i don't ever think that i like had where um i thought about pursuing suicidal thoughts but i will say that i would have those thoughts of like she needs better than me or Nobody even care if I wasn't her mother, or I mean, like all these things. Like, so I would say that's when that started. Um, life progressed. Um, I will tell you that I, I never quit drinking alcohol. Um, I continued to use it as my outlet. Um, you know, put her to bed, go sit on my porch, drink a beer, have a hard day at work, go make somebody for a margarita or two or three. Um, and and so this progressed, right? And then when I got married, um, you know, marriage is awesome and it's great. And you're on a high, but then you're literally combining two lives. And in our instance, it was two families because he was a single parent and I was a single parent. And so that was hard. And then I was uprooted from my family and I moved 500 miles away, which has honestly been one of God's biggest blessings. And I don't mean being away from my family. I miss him immensely. Just God uprooting me and saying, I'm going to totally just get you out of where you've always been. So you're going to have to rely on me has been one of the greatest things for my relationship with the Lord, but I couldn't see it then. And it was really, really hard on me. um, Not knowing anybody was a culture shock from where I'd grown up to where I was living. It was, I had gone from being 20 miles from a major city to being 93 miles from a pretty small city. Um, You know, being where you could literally go to Walmart, H-E-B, you know, all the things growing up, a really good restaurant to one restaurant and 400 people and literally more cows and no grocery store. I mean, not like a big grocery store or anything like that. So it was just a culture shock and it was really hard. And I, I know now looking back that my mental health started spiraling here. I was so elated to be married and be excited and start doing life together. I mean, there were so many answered prayers, but in the midst of, I was struggling, major struggling. Right. And so, um, looking back, like I said, I can tell that there was a downward spiral, but I really didn't want to admit it. And in 2019, um, I had had my original pacemaker that I had, been given when I was 16 for all those years. It was almost 13 years. Um. Anyways, 2019 had to have an emergency pacemaker put in. My pacemaker had stopped while my husband and I were in Mexico. Had no idea, but that's, that's only the grace of God. And you guys, I just want to kind of put this out there. There's been so many instances, and if I do a podcast, and I would really like to hear from you guys if you all want me to do this. It's been so many instances in my life where I really shouldn't be here, and God's. He saved me. And so maybe there's something like this in your life. And I do believe every single day when I wake up that I have a duty and a responsibility to speak about how he has transformed my life, how he's always saved me and how he's always pursued me. And so um I think sometimes people go, how do you talk about this? And it's because he has literally spared my life in so many different instances. And so I know that, I can't let this go void. Like it can't go, it can't not be used for his purpose. Right. So anyways, in 2019, um, my pacemaker stopped. It was not, it was eight days later until I realized something was wrong. I was sitting at Chewy's in Lubbock, Texas with my daughter eating lunch. And I immediately knew there's something wrong. I will go ahead and tell you that I told my mom and my husband that I was not going to the emergency room because I hate emergency room, because when you have been in the hospital as many times as I have, boy, how do you do not want to be in that place? (laughs) So um, anyways, long story short, ended up going, had to have an emergency pacemaker. And you guys, um, it was put in on my my brother, no, definitely not my brother, my husband's birthday, my husband's 30th birthday, actually, Um, January 21st, 2019. It was put in and um, my body rejected it. And I gained 60 pounds in six weeks. It was like I morphed into some person that I couldn't even recognize in the mirror. And that was in January. And by November of that year, I was very suicidal. Very suicidal. And I also want to tell you, and that was in November. In October, I spoke at a women's conference. The same women's conference that I've spoken at in several years. And when I tell this story now to people that were at that women's conference, they go but we never knew, and I want to also tell you that, isn't that how that always happens? Isn't that when you see that somebody committed suicide, you're like, I would have never known. You guys, people that have mental health problems, yes, sometimes do walk around and you can clearly tell, right? They're recluse, they loners, um, they may show signs of, you know, manic, or um, physical things like um, physical health things or um, outward things like hoarding. I mean, there, there's some mental health things that people can kind of seek. but I wanna tell you that I don't know the statistic on this, but I just wanna tell you that of those 51 plus million people that are walking around the world right now, I guarantee you over half of them have a smile on their face, are probably successful. Many of them have families. And you would have no idea that they are suffering on the inside. Just like nobody would have known at that women's conference a month before I completely thought that I was going to commit suicide. Um, They wouldn't have known that. They would have no idea. So, you know, I do want to just put that out there because we have to know That it's not only the obvious. In fact, a lot of times it's the people that you're telling, oh, you're so strong. Um, Do you know how many times I've been told that in my life? I hate that. I hate that. So if you were telling somebody that in your life, I'm not going to speak for them, but I'm just going to tell you, please stop saying that. Find something else to say. Find something else that you're amazing. You are so loved. Wow, you're incredible. But for the love of all things you are so strong. Unless somebody is like lifting weights in a powerlifting competition, stop. People, people don't want to hear that, especially people that are struggling with mental health. I, I think about how many times I heard that and I'm like, ugh, stop. I don't want to be strong. And I was strong, I guess. But on the inside, every time I would hear that, I would be like wanting to go punch a wall because I was like, I don't want to be, but I couldn't tell them that I just couldn't. I just, cause then that would be a weakness. And so anyways, um, November of 2019, um, I was drinking alcohol. Um, things were just really, really rough. My daughter had gone to her biological dads for Thanksgiving. I had not talked to her in several days and I was a wreck. I I was not good. I was not good. I was not with my family that year. I wasn't with my daughter that year. I mean, it was just, there were so many factors. And then, so like I'd always done self-medicate because I was lonely and sad and all these things, self-medicate with alcohol. And then, you know, combustion happened. And um, I left our home um, and where we live, there's cattle trucks and this is like the most selfish thing ever, but I completely thought that I was going to get out of the car, walk into the highway and get hit by a cattle truck. And, um, I had written my mom, I'd written my best friend. I had, um, you know, done all the suicidal things and, um, turned off my tracker, which (laughs) I do have a tracker on my phone. So does my husband. Um, we live in West Texas and, um, the country out here is really, really large. And I'm directionally illiterate, so <laughs> when we got married several years ago, we got Live 360 on our phones so that if he ever did not come in, that I could hopefully find him by phone. So that's why we have that. But anyways, I had turned that location thing off. I didn't want anybody to be able to find me. And um, if you've ever heard the song, Lauren Daigle um, Rescue, that song started playing on the radio that night as I was driving. And it was like God literally rescued me and I'll never ever hear that song without, um, having some kind of emotion to it. Um, now I have so much thankfulness, you know? Um, but I just want to share this, that, um, you know, after that, my husband and I had some really hard talks, my family and I had some really hard talks. I'll tell you that after that so much shame and embarrassment and just like, golly, now I really don't want to be here, you know, because you have to face the giant. you can't escape it. You can't scoop it up under the rug because the people that love you are like, whoa, this is really bad. And we we didn't know it was this bad. Um, and so we, we had some life changes. I will also tell you guys that if you've listened to my podcast about being sober or you've seen my Facebook or Instagram post, you may put together the dots that my alcohol did not stop then. I wish I could tell you that it did, but it didn't. Um, because the enemy used that to say, like, you can control this. And I couldn't control it. And um, so, that was in November of 2019. My husband and I got sober in March of that year. And so, um, praise the Lord, right? Like, oh, gosh, sobriety has been one of the greatest things I could ever ever given myself, um, my family, like the world, you know. I mean, so many things have been amazing. So, if you are sober curious, please reach out. Because... It has truly been life-changing. But also, I started putting myself as more of a priority. I think sometimes when you're a mom and a wife and a business owner, if you are, you know, just working full-time job, whatever, um, it can be really hard and it can be the selfish thing. So I started kind of prioritizing my health. I recommitted to my health. It was only a couple months later that um, we actually found out that we were pregnant, which I I really call my son our in life redemption. Um, he to me he's like the the physical fruit of us committing and turning our lives around, and so um, I had the most amazing pregnancy with him. I did not struggle with anxiety and. Um, because I've always been kind of a control freak, especially in my adult, young adult teen years. Um, I always wanted to control everything and I would get anxious if things were out of my control. And the Lord specifically, I remember when I found out I was pregnant, the Lord specifically told me like, if you trust me, give this pregnancy to me. And I was okay, you know, great. And it was one of those moments that with my mental health, I thought Casey, you can either submit to him and give him your mental health or you can keep trying to hold this yourself and this pregnancy is not going to be as great because you're going to go in a spiral. And so we actually decided to not find out the gender, which when people say that they struggle with anxiety and control, freaking and depression, and you tell them they don't, you did not do a gender reveal. They're like, no, you don't have anxiety. And I, I mean, I just, That's why is because God was like, give it to me. If you trust me, give it to me. And so I did. And you know what happened, y'all? I didn't, I had no anxious thoughts about our pregnancy. I was like the most chill pregnant woman ever. My husband can attest to this. Um, My hormones were amazing. I was happy. I felt great. I was actually branding cattle nine months pregnant, you guys. And I carried my son to 42 weeks, 41 and six, but he was born at 1232 AM. So I think it goes, go ahead and count that 42 weeks. Um, but, you know, I, I've been through it with mental health. Um, I forgot to say that after Lincoln, um, I did get on prescription medicine. Actually, in college, I got on prescription medicine. I was not faithful with it. Got on and off. Definitely don't do that. Got on it after Lincoln was born. Um, I felt like a guinea pig. That was my own personal experience. I felt like a lab rat. I felt like every time I would tell them that I am getting worse or this medicine's not working, I'm still having these horrible thoughts and feelings and all these things, they would just up my dose and I hated it. I absolutely hated it. And so through um, you know, committing my committing myself to my health. Years ago, actually when Lincoln was two, I got off of all that stuff. I was like, I don't want to be on this. Um, I believe that there's a time and a place. I think that it got me through some hard times, but I also completely, completely think that God didn't give my body a shortage of Vyvanse. And so, and that and I'm just going to disclaimer, this is for me. So if God's not, if God's not giving you that conviction or that revelation, then you just stay steady on what you're doing, if that's working. But that was something that I was wrestling with. And so um, through this whole journey of probably, you know, young teen to now, uh, I think my husband tells me I'm 33, 33 years old. Um, mental health is something that I do have to be cogniz- cognizant of. I do have to be aware of. Um, I no longer claim that I have critical depression and, or clinical depression and clinical anxiety as I have been diagnosed several times of, I do not claim that in the name of Jesus. I do not claim that over my life. I will not speak that over my life. I'm healed and made whole. And so I hope that you will join me if you're suffering with any of these things. I hope that you will start claiming those too in the name of Jesus, that this will be covered. Um, but I'm aware, I'm aware that there, um, there are, Gateways and cracks and doors that I can easily let the enemy slip through if I allow it. And so, um, I'm going to give you guys a little some tips. I know this episode is going a little longer than normal, um, but it's because I am really passionate about it. And so, some tips that I have um, if you're a mom or wife, get up earlier in the morning. I know nobody wants to hear this because you're already not sleeping, and I get it, you guys. But get up earlier in the morning. Spend some quiet time with Jesus. Do not pick up your phone. Don't even have your phone by your bed. Leave it in the bathroom. Leave it in the kitchen. Um, set your alarm. You're going to get out of bed because you're going to hate hearing that alarm set thing, you know. Um, stretch your body. Start moving your body. Get some exercise. Get some sunshine. Get a um, mineral test. See what your mineral levels are. See if you're deficient in vitamin D and magnesium. Magnesium is one of the most prominent deficiencies in America, and nobody talks about it. So, so I'm gonna talk about it. Um, get some water. Call some friends. Connect with people. You know, I would say the last two years in our world, when um, the world shut down because of the Rona or whatever you want to call it, um, people lost connection. People lost interaction and people we saw mental health sufferings like crazy, right? And we see evil in our world all the time. As I'm recording this, the um Uvaldi Texas shooting was just a couple days ago and I get choked up. Cause I'm not, my heart is unwell with that, but you know, for a lot of reasons. Um but these are some things that I've done. Um, also trying to eat God-made food versus man-made food. Um, removing toxins in our household. If you follow me on social media, you know that I'm really, really huge on toxins in your household. One of the reasons because it affects your mental health. Um, so all of those additives in your food, all the toxins and fragrances, um, laundry soap, dishwashing soap. Um, if you've got those silly little plug-ins in your wall, yank them out and throw them in the trash today. Um, all the things affect your mental health and while you can think that they're make you feel good because the bag of Doritos tastes good for five seconds, you're going to have a downer afterwards or whatever. So those are some tips that I have had. Um, and you know, guys, when you go into the Bible, you're not going to find the words mental health or mental illness. They're not, they're not going to be written in the Bible. But you're gonna find the symptoms of it. You're gonna be you're gonna be reading words like anxiety, sadness, brokenness, immense fear, panic, right? And it's because people in the Bible went through it too. And so um I do think that sometimes the Christian community, the church-going community is um really hard on the mental illness community, the the people that are suffering. Because we don't want to talk about it because the words mental ill or mental illness were not written in the Bible. And no, they were not. It, they're exactly true. But but the Bible does talk about all the symptoms of it. And so it just validates that this does exist and that God actually cares enough to meet us where we're at and help us heal. Right? And I want to just give you a few um, examples of, you know, people that struggled. You know, Elijah, she, uh, Elijah struggled with his mental health. During a contact with a conflict with Jezebel, right? Um, he actually ran away. <laughs> and he got he got alone and he actually prayed for God to take his life, right? So he says in 1 Kings 19, 4, I've had enough, Lord, take my life. So yeah, you're not alone there, right? Um, what about David? We know that he cried out to God. And, you know, he had faith that he was going to defeat Goliath, but he wasn't always mentally strong. <laughs> he was actually, you know, kind of scared, like scared. Like he was like, why are you so downcast? Oh, my soul. Why? Why so disturbed within me is what it says in Psalms 42, 11. I mean, he was like wrestling with that. Um, what about Jeremiah? Everybody knows Jeremiah 20 and 11. But did you know that he suffered with mental health? Yep. Maybe you can relate with this. He often felt lonely and defeated. You know why? He was poor. He was never married and he never had children. How many people are sitting and they're like, I'm financially struggling. And so, you mentally you're struggling. Or you see all your friends being married or having kids and you've been praying for children. Maybe you are married, but you've been praying for children because you're suffering. You know, well, there was Jeremiah. He suffered. In Jeremiah 20 and 18, it says, Cursed be the day I was born. Why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and end my days in shame? So you guys, like, just know that you're not alone. That what the Bible says is true. And even people in the Bible, people that we look up to, people, verses that we read all the time. And we always are talking about David and Goliath, right? We're always talking about Jeremiah 29, 11. But did did we know that they suffered? No, people don't want to talk about that. But we have to talk about these things. So I'm going to leave you some Bible verses and pray us out. Um, 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Here's one that I just cling to. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither them be afraid. Gosh, I just, I love that. Um, Here's another one that I love these words. Psalm 91, 1. And it goes to 16, but he dwells. And y'all, he who dwells means that you're like literally sitting with him. He who dwells in the shelter of the most high will abide, meaning that you will um, be like in refuge. In the shadow of the Almighty I will say to the Lord my refuge and my fortress my God in whom I trust for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler which means the person against you and from the deadly pestilence he will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge his faithfulness is a shield and a buckler he will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day mm. and i'm going to leave you with this last one Matthew 11:28 says, "Come to me, all who are labor, all who la- labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light." I think of that song um I want to sit at your feet, lay in the cup you're in your hand, lay back against you and breathe. Feel your heart beat. This love is so deep, it's more than I can bear, I melt in your peace, it's overwhelming. I just think about that. like. Sitting at his feet, laying back, letting him just scoop you up. And what the other words say is, the more I seek you, the more I find you. The more I find you, the more I love you. And so I would tell you that if you're struggling or you know somebody that's struggling, seek him, you guys. And I know that that can be so annoying when you're going through the midst of it. I remember hearing these sayings like, just pray about it. And I'm like, but, 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 but. But I'm going to tell you, the more you fall in love with Jesus, the more your mind will be so clear because you will have the reminder that you're not alone. So the enemy won't get to use loneliness and that you should not have fear. And so he won't get to creep in and use fear against you and that you shouldn't be overcome with anxiety. And so you will be replaced by feet, by peace. And you guys, everything, everything, everything. God can heal. I believe that a hundred percent. And I hope you do too. Um, I hope that you are talking about it. I hope that you are brave. I pray that you, ever, if you ever do have any suicidal thoughts that you reach out. Um, I I pray that you know that you are safe and loved so much. And um, anyways, I know that this is a hard episode. I've been waiting for this episode, but You know, with all the world's events, God just like, now, speak now. And so, um, here we are. So I'm going to pray us out. Father God, thank you. Thank you, first of all, Lord, for sending your son to just save us, save me, save this listener, um, Lord, that you get to wipe away every sin, Lord, every doubt, every fear, every heavy burden, every depressed, um, depression episode, every anxious thought, every, every, um. Self-harming thought, Lord, anything like that, Lord, you have already paid the price. And and by your stripes, we are healed, Lord. And God, I just thank you for healing my mind in Jesus' name. I thank you for um, using my mouth to speak about this. When, Lord, (laughs) you know that used to I couldn't even utter a word about it without just trembling and crying And so, God, I thank you for giving me the courage, Lord. I I thank you for giving me the confidence to speak about this, Lord. I just pray that this encourages somebody, whether they're somebody that is struggling themselves or they have somebody in their life struggling, God, that we would give more grace, that we would give more love and kindness and Lord, that we wouldn't try to understand people that we would just love them, that we wouldn't have to understand why they are the way they are, that we would just accept them for the way that they are. Lord, that we would just be an outstretched hand roasted a closed fist. Lord, that we would build longer tables and higher walls, God, and that we would speak to people kindly, Lord, that we would look at people and have them be seen. Lord, that when we show up on the internet or in our friends groups or anywhere, God, that people would see you. They would see a light. They would see a beacon on a hill. Lord, I pray for anybody that is suffering. Lord, that we would snuff out the devil. Lord, that we rebuke his plans for them. God, that we would just say, Satan, you can't have any of us, um, because the battle's already been won, the war's already been won, and Jesus wins, and we are His, and we belong to Him. So, Lord, we love you, we praise you, we honor you, we thank you for the resources, the people, and our lives, um, the things that you've given us, your things that you've given us, sunlight, fresh, you know, fresh. Food, God made food, water, the ability to exercise. Lord, I just thank you for all these things that you have given us, um, your word that we can press into, that we can um, help ourselves while you heal us. So, Lord, I thank you, praise you, and honor you. Amen.
0: Hey, friend, I pray that this podcast resonated with you today. If it did, would you please do me a favor, take three minutes, and give me a review. Five star is obviously the best. And in the comments, write how God spoke to you today. Also, if you are not already, please, please, please follow me on Instagram and on Facebook at Casey Graham Russell altogether. I would love to connect with you over there. And if you haven't checked out my website, CaseyGrahamRussell.com. We are constantly updating things. I'm sending out emails and just trying my best to give you guys more tools to live out your God-sized dreams. Until next time, God bless, and hey, guess what? I love you, but Jesus loves you so much more.